Did you know Chaos and Shadow has moved to Facebook? That's right. We've got Facebook pages for this show and Revelator Paranormal. Like them today. Become a member on our website and gain exclusive access to our Facebook group. There, you can help us investigate the files, dive deeper, and build this community from the ground up. Huge thank you to all of our supporters. Head over to chaosandshadow.com forward slash subscribe and look for the links in the description to join our Facebook. Hello, everybody. Kyle here, host of the Chaos and Shadow podcast and the Revelator Morning Show. I am joined by my co-host, Brian. Hi, Brian. How are you today? Hey, good, Kyle. Thanks. Glad to be here. Glad to have you on board because today we are getting a chance to sit down with Seth Breedlove, of Small Town Monsters at Small Town Monsters for those of this show. You guys have seen and heard from them before. We've we've talked about uh, things such as On the Trail of Champ. But for those unfamiliar, Small Town Monsters began as an independent film series exploring lost and bizarre history around the United States with their first release in 2015. Five years later, with over 10 projects, including web series and more on the way, we're joined here by the director, Seth, who just released the documentary, The Mothman Legacy, as well as an upcoming The Mark of the Bell Witch. So listeners here again, you might know him from some previous episodes, but Seth, I'm so excited to talk to you. Welcome to the show. Hey, yeah, thanks for having me. We're very excited. I... I got into small town monsters without even knowing that what was what all you guys had Same. under your belts. <laughs> and mm-hmm. when Same the Mothman here. Legacy came around, we started seeing where this was coming out. I got so excited because this was a perfect chance to connect the dots and actually sit down, talk to you and and get some of your thoughts on the process behind it. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm excited to to have the movie out after uh what was an abnormally long uh schedule for us too. It's typically our our turnaround time on the stuff is, you know, a few months and this was one that we had that we were working on for for just a little over a year. Oh wow. Wow. And, oh, and wow. this one comes we also saw there were previous Mothman uh, documentaries that you and your team have done before. This is—is is this the third Mothman mm-hmm. installment from Small Town Monsters? Um, yeah. So we we kind of jokingly call it the Mothman trilogy. The the this is a direct sequel to the Mothman of Point Pleasant, which was a 2017 mm-hmm. movie that looked at the 1966 and 67 wave of sightings. Um, but we mm-hmm. picked up uh, this movie picks up after that. We did do a movie called terror in the skies and and stylistically uh and in a lot of other ways visually and such i think uh the mothman legacy is actually more of a sequel to that movie just just in the way the story is told and um visually it it has some some similarities as well so those three movies kind of make up what we call the mothman trilogy and it's also in some ways terror in the sky sets up some some story elements that we explore throughout uh legacy as well and then the 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 book ending scenes of terror in the skies are uh, sort of like, there's sort of like a yin and yang thing happening with the opening of Mothman legacy and the opening and closing of terror in the skies, which if you, if you see the two, you'll kind of pick up on it. It it is a it is a really (laughs) what I want to talk about here to start us off. You kind of nailed it there. The Mothman case, most people knowing it from John Keel's Mothman prophecies, others out there, especially Mm -hmm. in the Fortean world, might have gotten deeper into some of his other works. Uh, But the Mothman incident is not a a short one. Uh, When you really get to the nitty gritty of it, as a small town monsters has done, 
it winds up being a story that encapsulates a lot more. Was that a challenge for you and your your team, Seth, whenever you got into this? Was it how was it to approach it as like a storyboard concept to tackle the Mothman? Um, well, yeah, I think storyboard concept would indicate that there's some preparation happening, which mm-hmm. <laughs> which with us is not is not necessarily the case. Um, and that's more down to uh to my style of editing and my style of storytelling in general than it is to a lack of trying to prepare. Um, All the prep that goes into an SDM project is pretty much just in getting our witnesses together and having a basic idea of what the overall subtext or theme of the movie might be. And then that's all subject to change. Um, And so with this one going into it, I knew ahead of time we wanted to do uh, a Mothman movie that was as much an exploration of of like winged creatures in Appalachia and how those those creature legends might have been influenced by the culture that grew up around uh, the the people that actually settled Appalachia as it was about the Mothman. Um, so going into it, I knew that was going to be you know a, a big part of the story the story, and I knew that it would uh, play a role in how the story was told. But um, things changed um, definitely in in the process of putting it all together. Some of that was. Due Due to um, COVID, obviously, mm-hmm. um, since mm. since it showed up right in the middle of, of production of this movie, but um, I think it yeah. just took on a life of its own, actually, and it, and it ended up uh, becoming an examination of stories and how stories are um, mm. told and how they evolve, uh, you know, over over centuries. In the case of the Mothman story, um, and I knew I knew going into it that we were not going to cover the sixty six sixty seven stuff because it had already been done and um what i didn't one of the things that surprised me i guess in making the movie was that uh it really did start to at some point feel like a a very much direct sequel to the mothman of of point pleasant because we really picked up on like john keel and what he was up to after uh that initial wave of sightings and and there were little there were characters in a weird way this this sounds weird because we're talking about reality but there were quote-unquote recurring characters um so you had not just people we interviewed but but, but people who you learned about in the Mothman of Point Pleasant who showed up again in this movie. Like uh, there's a story about Linda Scarberry and Linda was one of the first people to ever see the Mothman back in 66. And you, you hear this story about her and how that encounter affected the rest of her life. So that was kind of a cool, uh, you know, a fun, a fun thing. I mean, the, as far as like the story structure, that that's the stuff that we have no idea about until I sit down to edit. Um, I can't, I'm sure there has been, but I can't really think of a movie where I had this structure in mind to begin with and then that was exactly what happened and in this case I think originally this was going to follow a structure similar to Terror in the Skies where we would um, sort of travel across West Virginia and you you would break it down geographically because that was how we did uh, Terror in the Skies was the stories and and the um, the way they were told just sort of naturally followed the flow of the state which is kind of strange but, but it was mm. a fun way to break that story down this one um you know we we introduced the interludes which is where we sort of have a chance to get into the mythology and the legends that grow up around winged giant man like beasts uh, uh, throughout Mm -hmm. history 
Um, and, uh, and then it, it did, we, we got to play with the timeline again, the Mothman timeline that we introduced with the Mothman of Point Pleasant. I mean, that, that is well said. I like, I, first of all, I appreciate someone that's not a terrible storyboard or laying it out that way, because I find these cases do unfold in that way. There, there's something where you talk to someone and it can take you down a whole different avenue. Hence the, uh, Fortean idea to, uh, Mothman content there. Something that personally really drew me to it. Uh, Mothman, I would say, was what got me really interested in high strangeness or any of these stories that transcend the normal molds where some investigators might stop searching. So uh, you've kind of, I think, already hinted at it here and there, Seth, but uh, just so chat is is in the full know for those that haven't seen the film yet, what was it that made you guys want to tell the modern tale of the Mothman? I mean, we we heard you've already covered the, the actual 1960s event, but I wasn't aware that too much activity was still going on in that area. What kind of Same. put that on your radar? Was that those previous conversations with folks? Um, I think, well, the first thing that sort of tipped me off that there were uh, was such a, an abundance of sightings still taking place was really when we were finishing the Mothman of Point Pleasant, we had people coming up to us at every event trying to tell us like their Mothman story. And so, so that was, you know, I mean, we were getting Facebook messages and all sorts of stuff. So it was obvious there was, you know, still a lot of activity taking place. Um, we ended up uh, we we ended up sort of having so we have this uh, research girl uh, Heather Mosier who who really helps me with all my research and she was having no issues with turning up names and witnesses who were willing to talk and who wanted to talk and I thought that was probably the approach we were going to go was was going for a very strong witness eyewitness presence in the movie just to to really illustrate how dramatic the number of sightings still are around. West Virginia. So it was really <clears throat> just that the story fell into our laps. There were there was more than enough witnesses to talk to. And the story I had originally wanted to tell, which was much more centered around the men in black angle and the injured cold angle, that sort of fell by mm-hmm. the wayside once we got into actually filming interviews. Um, and and then we've actually picked up those threads, the men in black and injured cold with a project we have coming out next year called On the Trail of UFO dark sky which is really all about west virginia's ufo history um so once excited. that's out you'll you'll almost have a mothman quadrilogy oh <laughs> like, my gosh there's there's, there's oh, plenty so of cool. story to, to dig into with that stuff but yeah the it was just the the um <clears throat> interest i had in in those and just the sheer volume of of eyewitness accounts and how um you know how present it was even in in the area today and and the mothman of point pleasant was very much centered on just point pleasant and just the mothman sightings we we discussed a little bit like injured cold and men in black but we didn't get too deep into it um so that was one of the reasons why my original idea for this was to do this like injured cold men in black angle with the mothman legacy was because of that fact we hadn't really dug into it and there was this idea at one point that we would actually make the Mothman legacy focus on the 66, 67 stuff that we didn't get to. So it would have been like a companion piece where you could have watched it alongside the Mothman 
of Point Pleasant. And then, you know, once we started realizing there were so many sightings still taking place, it just it sort of made sense to me to let Mothman of Point Pleasant be this, you know, it's it's a self-contained story and to pick up from where that left off and bring it up to present day. I'm so excited. I, I, I love wow. Indrid Cold related content. You have me so amped for the next. Uh, what was that called again, Seth? Dark Skies, <clears throat> did you say? Um, so, yeah, we did a we did an episodic series this year that was just released in March called On the Trail of UFOs, and it's an eight-episode mm-hmm. um, series. But um, going forward, we're going to release uh, On the Trail of as films. So that was kind of the setup series, and now we're going to pick up um, and do these films. So, th- so yeah, it's On the Trail of UFOs, Dark Sky. I am so on board for that. That sounds like a blast. Yeah. I, I want to say that... Um, the On the Trail of UFOs might have been one of the first small town monsters felt things recently projects, I should say, that really kicked me into knowing who the team was, what was going on there. So to hear that's getting an extension project, uh, especially with Indrid Cold and such, is a huge highlight for me today. Cool. Yeah, uh, we we cool. we just shot that actually two weeks ago now, three weeks ago. Um, so it's already filmed, and that'll be the next thing I start editing once I'm done with on the trail of Bigfoot: The Journey. Okay. And, well, and that that is that I'm gonna save. I'm gonna back burner that for just a second here because I I want to know more about that as well. I think that might have been. Uh, maybe I missed the first announcement for that, but I know I didn't include it to our first pitch with you guys. But um, super honored to be sent that the uh, the Mark of the Bell Witch screener for those that mm-hmm. are out there listening. Yes. That's coming out. Is that still set for December 15th, Seth? Yeah, December 15th. That's uh, We're trying to put it out to coincide with the 200-year anniversary of John Bell's passing. Oh. Unfortunate passing at the hands of the witch. Phenomenal. Jeez. Phenomenal, Great. you guys. I And I admit, yes. going into it, I... I I've been a guy that the Bell Witch has never really, I I guess the Bell Witch story has fascinated me. When I was a kid growing up, that's Mm. when that film kind of came out. And I remember being very young and very scared by the trailer. Um, And I know since then, the Bell Witch has kind of come and gone in pop culture in some ways where some say the story's often told that it doesn't do it a service. But watching this, everything I knew from the original Bell Witch account is represented in a fantastic way. Um, Pagan Wolf is, is my co-host for Chaos and Shadow. She watched it. She's very local to that area. And she's like, this film holds up to everything I have been told about. So I got to say, round of applause on that note, Seth. That is some serious attention to detail. Well, super cool. Yes. Yeah, I haven't I haven't had the opportunity to talk to too many people that have watched it yet. So that's cool to hear. Yes. Yeah, we're, we're excited about it. It's the most fun I've had making a movie uh in a very long time it was just very mm. like a very easygoing shoot and we got to shoot the recreations here in ohio uh near yeah. near where i live so my wife and son were at, at on the set for some of the days that we were filming and stuff so it was just it was a nice change uh, from how you know typically i'm used to being out of state and then you you just don't have a lot of time with family and this was almost like a almost like a party every day we'd come to set and you know at this crazy cabin this cabin that was built in the very early 1800s that's near where I live here in Ohio in Wayne County and uh, we would shoot all day and then in the evening we get pizza or whatever and sit around this cabin and hang out and talk and stuff so we yeah we had a great experience making that movie so I'm hoping 
cool. You know, something like Legacy is like, <clears throat> for me, Mothman Legacy was, it's a, I, I hope people love the movie and we put a lot of love and care into making it, but um, it wasn't a new experience in terms of the storytelling. It was a storytelling style I'm familiar with and, and all of us are f- familiar with. And uh, Legacy, or yeah, um, Bellwitch was something totally different, uh, just given the sheer volume of recreations and the fact that we were really trying to embrace the, you know, the the straight ahead horror movie aspects of it. We've we've done, we did a movie last year called Momo that um, mm-hmm. had a ton of, of recreations and had lines and all that kind of stuff. But uh, the recreations in that are supposed to be hammy as all get out and it's supposed to sort of be this, you know, loving homage to, to 70s and early 80s like drive, drive-in movies. Uh, this movie we, we played straight and um, and the recreations really took a took a front seat at times. So it was a totally new experience mm. just filmmaking wise. So anytime I hear that people are digging it, that's a that's a good sign. Yeah. Very yeah. much so. I took a look and yeah, the storytelling was fantastic from what I saw. Very good stuff. Cool. Yeah, that that one that one really stood out. Like I said, even as a guy that's mm. especially drawn to Mothman stuff and not to Bell Witch stuff, I I I was just blown away. I was like, this is you and grab me right off the bat. I I can be a harder sell with ghost stories than cryptids. And nice. I was just sitting that that however long it was, an hour plus. I it just flew by. I'm like, now I know everything about the Bell Witch. I feel like I I I've got a crash course in it in a fantastic way. And I would like to say and talk about for a second how fantastic of work goes into those recreations, uh, especially in Legacy, Mothman Legacy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It did not feel like you guys skimped in any way, shape or form with all of the I guess that would be is that CGI you have all working there because it was really masterful. Some versions um, of the Mothman misting in and stuff. Yeah. So, so the way we did, I mean, if you've seen the Mothman of Point Pleasant or Terror in the Skies, they're very rooted in animation when it comes to the recreations. Um, and and as much as I love the work Chris Scalf did on, on those animated sequences, I, it always bugged me that we had to turn to animation because I, I would lose control over how visually things would, would appear on screen. Not through any work, any any fault of the artist. That's just the way that works. Like when, once you hand it yeah. over to someone, they're going to kind of put their own stamp on it. And so I always felt like Terror in the Skies would have been my favorite movie if I had shot it the way we shot The Mothman Legacy, where every recreation is is like a mix of live action and then CG. But yeah, it's 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 mostly computer graphic uh work that santino vitale did and he's really he's really amazing he just did um the, the, a lot of the effects work on um the mortuary collection that's on shutter it just came out it's like a anthology um movie horror movie that's on uh shutter so he's really and it's cool like santino's been part of the crew since 2018 when we released the flatwoods monster that was the first movie he worked on for us and he created these really cool like stop motion sequences and model work and all sorts of really cool stuff. So it's been crazy to watch him come into his own, you know, on on what he's capable of achieving with with CG. Um, but it was, yeah, we had a lot of fun with those sequences too, because of the, again, because of COVID, uh, we were in a situation where it was a basically like a one man band uh, trying to get those sequences shot. Uh, so I I shot all those sequences with my Sony A7S2, and then um, I would just put them together. Kind 
kind of on the fly. I'd have a shot list, but we didn't we didn't storyboard anything for those scenes. It was it was all just pretty much um, come up with shots on the fly and then shoot whatever whatever weird thing you've you've dreamed up. And the way I started approaching it was like each I tried to have a, a theme, a visual cue almost to each um, to each independent uh, recreation. So like there's a scene in the in the movie where a, a kid uh, encounters the Mothman in a, in a abandoned building he was talking about how he was pushing his uh, bike up a hill and i thought well you know the wheels on a bike spin so we'll have every shot in that scene move like tw- twisting and turning um and that was how we started approaching all the recreations and then going forward i tried to come up with like a way we could make each one stand apart from from the one before visually and uh, you know a way in which we can make them all um exciting and and i guess i want i want them to be more than simply like spooky recreations you would see in like a travel channel show right um and so that 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 was the the ultimate goal with it and and it's cool whenever i hear anyone say they they worked or they thought they they were cool or whatever i get excited about that because a lot of that was just me with a camera or in one of the scenes i was actually in i was in the scene i played uh, the camera um my buddy aaron was there running running the camera or making sure the camera was running and i was in the scene so i was it was yeah it was it was a really crazy experience making making your montage yeah (laughs) i love it yeah they they i would definitely say they stand out and work very very well i can also understand now that you say that that fear of falling into more of the the traditional discovery or travel channel sort of content out there i I feel Mm. like small town monsters that really transcends it not only with the visual work but you guys more than let's say the, the the tv shows really tell the story in a great way using eyewitnesses or people that are really invested in it. I keep thinking back to like the champ storyline when we when we used that and talked about champ on our podcast. I felt really um, well versed having binged that series because it was me listening to investigators who have been on the job for 20 some years um, that are very familiar with those areas. I feel like that kind of storytelling, the fact that you guys are willing to spend more than one production on a case, the fact that you're willing to go back and, and dig into it more. That really, I think, leaves us in the paranormal community with something special because you're doing a great job of creating time capsules of investigators who are not always publishing their work people that are putting the time in but they just aren't content creators themselves so it's really really cool to see that attention the light brought to them and and all their hard work yeah i think it's you you um there comes a point where you can kind of like you can either let it go and or put the project out uh you know you've hit a wall and what you can you you might the the stuff the information that's easy to find Mm -hmm. um and and you can either choose to just go ahead and and take your hands off the rain and put it out or you can push past that and really try to 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 get it you know to a point where you're you're 100 aware you're sort of the first person that's putting this information out there and so for us it's always pushing past (laughs) trying to push past the wall um and sometimes you can and sometimes you can't but on on something like legacy i felt like a lot of the movie was pushing past the wall because i don't um you know i I just don't feel like a lot of the stuff that was in that movie is out there especially the the witnesses and it's funny like i've seen people complain online like this oh everything in this movie i'd already known and i was like well that's literally impossible because you know (laughs) a lot of the a lot of the witnesses we interviewed 
um, have never talked about their sightings on camera before. Um, and I'm 100% certain too, I haven't really seen the correlations drawn between, um, you know, the, the people that settled Appalachia and the stories and stuff like that, the, 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 the evolution of, of something like the Banshee and how it runs parallel Ooh. to something like the Mothman. Um, right. so yeah, we, and, and something, yeah. And champ is a really cool example of that as well, because champ was, was a series where, um, Alex really put himself uh to an insane degree into into making that series i mean it's funny champ was made for like 1200 bucks um wow basically like i I gave alex yeah i gave (laughs) alex like a budget and we had never done anything episodic before at that at at that point and i told him like if you want to make a series with us it'll be the first thing i don't direct for small town monsters i'll just produce it and i was like we'll give you twelve hundred dollars and you go make the series and he's like great i've got buddies we're gonna go make it um Mm. the day he was supposed to leave to go to to lake champlain to start filming uh everyone that was supposed to be on his crew dropped out and Alex ended up making the entire series alone. Uh, so all five episodes were shot, edited, sound design, all that stuff was all Alex. Um, and (laughs) yeah. And that was the point where I realized I would really like to do the same thing. Um, cause it had been a while that was similar, I guess, in some ways to how we started out like beast of Whitehall, I made for 500 bucks essentially. And it was made with my dad and, uh, (laughs) Brandon who, who does all our music. He was there with me to, to help. Um, and I kind of missed that. So we started doing when, when I first came up with the idea of doing on the trail of Bigfoot, it was with this notion that, okay, well, Alex could go, if Alex can do it, maybe I should try it. So we went and did on the trail of Bigfoot pretty much as a one man band on that as well. I mean, I traveled all over the country. I guess that's the difference between something like Bigfoot and champ is champ was sort of relegated to Lake Champlain and Bigfoot was spread out across the country. Um, but pretty much I was the only one shooting that series other than if someone, if I was in a situation where I needed to be on camera, I handed a camera to literally anyone and put it in autofocus. And I was like, just point this at me, <laughs> kind of like stand here and we'll try to get this in the bag. Um, but yeah, that that's a really cool champ is a really cool series. And I think, again, it's like one of those situations where he gathered the most knowledgeable people on Lake Champlain and the Lake Champlain monster and got them all together, which is, by the way, like next to impossible because those people all hate each other because it's it's the paranormal sure. world and everyone yeah. everyone fights over everything. So um, just the fact that he could do that in itself is like an accomplishment. Seriously, wrangle up a lot of uh, yeah. figures there. I, again, kudos to you guys because the work, I, I had no idea it was done on that small of a budget and... Mm-hmm. Yeah, same. Wow, that kind of reframes a, a bit of it, just in, in what tools and, and time you guys are using. I, to be mm-hmm. honest, I wasn't wow. sure how big the, the crew that you were sending out to do. Um, but I do hear you when you say yeah. very much you like the idea of getting back to kind of the more the roots of it. That's always a fun thing to do uh, as a content creator myself. Definitely feel that as well. Um, try new things, but come back to what really brought the band together in the first place. So yeah. I'm looking forward yeah, it's to a all small, of It's a small group. Um, a traditional, like a typical film shoot, the crew is four people, mm-hmm. sometimes five. Now on the trail of can get, it can go either way on the trail of can get huge or can get tiny. 
So we just got back from shooting on the trail of UFOs, Dark Sky, and that was five of us. But um, but like on the trail of Bigfoot at any given time, it could just be me. Um, so it, it, it kind of depends on on the project and how many people I can wrangle into going. And, you know, we it's a it's it can be small or or rather unwieldy, but typically it's pretty small. So, wow. Seth, in, in, in sake of time, how, how long do we have you today? Were you, because I know you guys had some stuff going on, I think maybe it was later today. Just not sure how long. Um, yeah, I actually, I've got a, uh, I've got some people coming here to the office in about 20 minutes okay. to do uh, a podcast. Very good. Well, we will make sure to get you out of the door here then fairly soon. So I, I want to kind of yeah. let you tee off to this, but you talked about on the trail of Bigfoot, uh, the journey. What else mm. would you like to share with that if you could? Because that's set for a spring release, I believe. Yeah, that'll be our first release next year. Um, it's I, You know what? Like As of right now, I'm like 30 minutes into the rough cut. All I can tell you is it's like the most personal thing I've done. Um, it starts with like my son and I on camera and then it kind of, uh, you know, you see me in all my post COVID fat glory, dad bod glory, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Um, oh, yeah. and it's, a, it's, right a, it's a, it's a distinctly like personal movie. Uh, and it also, it's the first STM movie I think that follows, um, I guess the storytelling structure is very unique for an SDM project because it it follows us on this one trip on this one quote unquote journey um, from 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 the minute that I woke up uh, on July first and started making my coffee and loading my car and stuff I was filming so it follows that entire trip um, up to the Adirondacks in New York and oh, um, cool. I, I mean it was a wild wild trek we were doing stuff every day. Um, you know, we were, I mean, the perfect example, and I just know this because I've been looking at the footage this week, but there was, there was one day and I think it was our fourth day there. Uh, we woke up in sort of the Southern part of the Adirondacks. I cannot remember the name of the town where we were, but we were in the middle of nowhere. We woke up and we drive, we drove close to Whitehall and hopped on a helicopter and took this like 90 minute flight out over the high peaks wilderness. And, um, we, we did this insane, you know, we had the doors off this thing. We're hanging out of the helicopter filming and all this kind wow. of stuff. And we, we came back, we landed, we hopped in a car, we drove two hours to Kinderhook, New York, where the Kinderhook creature was seen back in the seventies. And we made this like, almost like a miniature small town monsters movie inside of on the trail of Bigfoot, the journey. And we interviewed witnesses and all this kind of stuff. And then we finished there after a few hours and hopped in the car and drove another three hours toward the coast, uh, till we got into Western Massachusetts. Um, and we made, uh, we made, uh, we met up with the guys from a, a Bigfoot group there and we did this night hike that went for about three hours up into the woods. And then we jumped back in the car and drove another couple hours to Troy, New York. And like when it was all done, it was this insane. I mean, we, we had traveled like five hours, um, through, throughout the day and, and done all this crazy stuff. And that was just one day of like hmm. filming there. I mean, on, we did, there was a night where we did three different, I guess you could call them like night investigations where we did, you know, we hiked down into this river gorge and then we hiked on, uh, hiked along a bear road where the, the, the beast of Whitehall incident happened back in 76. And then we yeah. ended up on this, at this place called Buck mountain where we, the, the guys we were with were doing like call blasting baby cries into the woods. And they had us stationed out like 200 yards out into the woods to, to try and track anything that might get lured in by the baby crying noises. So it was a, it was a wild trip and the whole thing's documented. 
good. So um, the movie will take you through. It's not just about that. It's not just about our trip. It's also about um, it's focused very much on like uh, sort of theoretical Bigfoot behavior and Bigfoot mm. accounts uh, along all, all of the North Northeast, even though it's set in New York, it kind of covers the Northeast portion of the United States, which was an, a part of the, of the, the country that we kind of left out of uh, on the trail of Bigfoot, the legend or the search. So that's, yeah, it's a big movie. It's, um, I don't know the, the runtime or anything yet, but I'm thinking it's going to be like 70, 75 minutes, but it, it should be like action packed because the trip was pretty insane. Interesting. I am in. I am. I'm very much in wow. on that. As a guy working to expand his Bigfoot knowledge currently, I got to say that is that is already mentally bookmarked for me. Seth, yeah. I appreciate you taking all this time to come by today. It has been a wonderful yes. time to sit down and chat with you. I hope mm. everyone out there listening will go grab themselves a copy of the Mothman Legacy right now. That's up and available. I believe I watched it through, uh, I grabbed it on my Apple TV so you guys can get it there. It's on Amazon Prime and mm. all kinds of other amazing yep. sources. And then you got the Mark of the Bell Witch coming out December 15th. Again, phenomenal. Um, Brian, myself, and yes. Pagan got to see the screener for that. So you're in for a treat, everyone. Mm. And then we got on the trail oh, yeah. of Bigfoot, the journey coming out in the spring. So Seth, this has been fantastic. Uh, I would love to sit down and chat with you once you have more with the Bigfoot journey going on. We would love to pick your brain on that. So maybe after the holidays, we'll get to sit down with you again. Yeah, for sure. Just uh, keep in touch and we'll, we'll get you screeners and all that so you can see some of this stuff before everyone. Well, thank you very much for that, Seth. Everyone out there, go check them out. Small Town Monsters. There is an episode on everything that you can get your fingers into. Truly get get in there, get that cryptid knowledge going on, chat. They will not let you down. Seth, thank you again, and we will talk to you very soon then.